I'm sorry that I missed your party. I wish I had a better excuse, but I can't even lie, you got me. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. I was busy dreaming about boys, boys, boys. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. Let's get ready to rumble. Welcome to Aya versus the big boys. Tonight's fight. Eyes wide shut. Ho 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 ho! Hello and welcome. My name is Santa Claus, resident big boy and ringleader this time for the matchup of the century. Ho 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 ho! Uh, this is a long ass paragraph. I'm not gonna do that. Uh, as you very much know, I'm Kevin Cookman, and we are struggling in a global pandemic. Yet another wave. Most of us working from home. The side effect of that, a lot more free time to holly jolly jangle on all the medias of all shapes and all sizes. We all have movies we know we should have seen by now. We just haven't. Call it the canon. Call it the IMDb Top 250 or call them the big boys. The pinnacles of cinema. Maybe the most explicitly patriarchal artistic medium of all time. It's time for a bro movie beatdown. Without any further ado, in today's episode and every episode watching today's film for the very first time, I am joined by the titular prize fighter herself, your local Grinch. She'll tell the whole group chat that the password is Fidelio, Aya <laughs> Layman. I won. <laughs> You but 100% I would, put it, would. I'd put it in the invisible ink text. <laughs> Don't tell. I'd record it as a voice memo and I'd be like, I'll see who saves this. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone keeps it. And I'm like, shoot. <laughs> you, you, you'd immediately get hunted. And I think like on, on your first morning after attending the orgy and getting caught before you <laughs> see any of the orgy, uh, you would uh, choose just, you know what? I'm not going to investigate any of this. You would never see your pianist friend ever again. Uh, you would never even, you would move out of New York. And why wouldn't he? He should have done the same. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually, and that's actually a, the perfect solution, Kevin. I am. Uh, Kevin. It's Christmas time. It is. It is once again. This is a Christian podcast. Amen. We don't recognize any other holidays, only Christmas. Amen. How you doing? You feeling extra holy oh, yeah. this uh, month? There's never been a more uh, festive Christmas season than this one right in front of us. Oh, God. It's nothing but cheers and jeers and uh, everyone's so sure they're going to catch the new strain of the killer virus that... uh. You know what? Everyone's buying each other gifts and no one's even using condoms anymore. So it's actually just a really nice winter time. Just wilding out. Are you wilding out? Are you out here in these streets? Uh, no. <laughs> no, you're still hunkering down, <laughs> quarantining, I... uh, self-lockdowning because our city, state... And uh, country won't do anything about yeah, this. Yeah, I did go see Matrix yesterday, as I said I was going to do. 
Ooh la la. I know. I slapped on two masks, surgical and KN95. Um, God okay. bless the gentleman sitting next to me who, in a very opposite situation from my last experience <laughs> the movie theater, uh, sat next to me. We were in prime, so we were like, it felt like comfortably separated. I big recliner. A big recliner. I like we weren't like arm in arm. And he kept his mask on the entire movie. Like Good. I was I was felt very appreciative Good. to him. Wanted to not shake his hand, but salute him at the end. I also gasped when I saw uh, Freema Adjaman is in this movie uh, in Matrix. Mm. Um, and I gasped when I saw her, and he looked over at me like, "Hats off to you." <laughs> and I was like, "This freaking guy." Game recognized. Game recognized. And game recognized game, if you will, um, because Freema Adjaman is the best. Weird casting in that movie. I will say that. Sensei uh, some casting. weird choices. Sensei casting, but also the mayor of San Francisco is one of the Matrix fighters. Oh I think my her god, name is like so London fun. Breed. How it's, cute. It's so bizarre because I don't think Lana Wachowski would like the mayor of San Francisco given how much her movie hate san francisco (laughs) (laughs) the mayor was like you cannot make this movie unless i am in it (laughs) i legitimately think probably that is what wouldn't you do that if you were the mayor oh if i was the mayor it'd just be war crimes every day just for the fun of it just to see if i could so you'd be like america's best mayor (laughs) (laughs) i would be they'd make statues of me so you'd be like any other mayor frankly (laughs) they'd be like wow this guy (laughs) What made you go to the movie theaters for Matrix? It's streaming at home uh, on HBO Max. That is where I saw it in my uh, home theater in my garage. Yeah, I don't have a home theater, so um, just... Uh, That's a, t- a, a TV with a sound bar. Uh, I do have I a TV with a sound bar I it up with now. a subwoofer. Uh, see, I don't have the subwoofer, so what am I going to do? Well, invite me over i'll kick you in the fucking back of the head while every neo (laughs) kicks people um no actually uh i i i just uh wanted to you know oh that's nice (laughs) it's so bad calculated risk and all that but i feel like i know everyone is doing it everyone i know is doing at least one thing where they're like should i be doing this right now no but fuck (laughs) yeah i've i've heard that sentiment from a lot of people where it's like well it seems like no one is really going to do any mass uh, helpful thing to uh, ensure public safety. So I'm just going to do just maybe one last naughty little thing. One last nice thing for me, you know? Yeah. I know some people that are just going to go out, see 2 chains on New Year's Eve, go to House of Not Yes two uh, over in by NYU for New Year's. And then some people, like us, we just... Uh, we just see the Matrix. <laughs> I I am even more paranoid. I saw it at home, but I respect your efforts. Thank you. Maybe I needed my last I, theater going experience to not be uh, Spider Man. <laughs> no way from home. No way home. Yeah, I understand that. I if I think I I am so defeated on the theater experience where like it's almost more poetic for my journey that the last time I went was so god awful. <laughs> Uh, but I think you deserve something a lot uh, cheerier. I would thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that. Uh, Christmas time is the perfect time to uh, thank all of humanity and be grateful for your fellow man. Uh, are you- <laughs> Segway. I for one, 
I mean, look, let's let's say what we're we're grateful for this time of year. I'm grateful that uh, no one touched my fucking cables and my audio should be sounding okay uh, this episode. Good. Uh, last episode. Oh, wow. If you listen to that one, it's really only because we talked about Spider-Man. Uh, so <laughs> thank you. Thank I you. I heard worse. I'll, I'll say that. Personally, uh, I lied. I have not heard worse. I probably pulled off what was the worst uh, podcast recording I've ever listened to. Uh, Don't be so hard But thank you. Yourself. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, uh, wh- what are you holly jolly cheerful about? I'm a holly jolly cheerful. Um... <sighs> Oh, no. Just taking a minute. Um, you know, I've been really grateful oh, for the ex- uh, existence of my beloved cat, Olive, recently. Oh. Every what day she doing? I look at her and I say thank you <laughs> for being the only reason I'm still alive. Uh, I love her so much. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I am so miserable this time of year, but it's okay. We move on. We keep going. <laughs> When we say this time of year, do you mean uh, this specific 2021 time of year, or is it just the good old holidays? It is the holidays, unfortunately. It's one of those things Mm. where, like, when I was little, I remember watching Gremlins for my birthday, and I remember there was um, that girl character who was like, I hate Christmas, and it turns out that her dad died on Christmas. Sorry. (laughs) I always thought that was so funny. (laughs) He, like, got stuck in the chimney because he was pretending to be Santa Claus. Well, that's so crazy. Uh, And I remember being little and being like, yeah, but at least it's Christmas. Get over it. But also being like, that sucks. Like, damn. Because it's not like, it's not just like, oh, your dad died around the holidays. It's like your dad died on Christmas pretending to be Santa. Like, that sucks. Um, so I always was like, ah, you know, at least you don't have it as bad as her. But um, so I'm very conflicted about not enjoying this time of year. And I wish I didn't not enjoy it, but I don't enjoy it. And I want to be over <laughs> as fast as possible. Um, but hopefully gonna maybe watch some holly jolly little Christmas programming okay i watched love actually last weekend i've given up on pretending like i don't need to watch love actually every single year to feel the holiday spirit love me some love actually the movie's terrible i love every second of it especially the sequence abject nightmare the sequence where um i'm gonna go long on love actually the sequence where they no you're not no you are not (laughs) billy bob thornton plays the president of the united states yeah I truly was like, I was like slack jawed watching that scene this time around because it's so bad. Like it's it's criminally bad because he's like, it's the strangest performance too. Where he's like, and like the way they're talking about politics is like so vague. Where he's like, I don't think we're gonna do that this time around. And they're like, we're just upholding the previous administration's policies. And then one of the guys like, but they were bad policies. And then Hugh Grant's like, okay, okay, I think we're making progress here. Well, yeah, he's doing like the like if Clinton butt fucked George W. And then the whole like the whole love actually is like super pro Britain. Yeah. So yeah, it, very. It, it drives it into absolute overdrive. Yeah. So then the they have this like, where, like joint press conference yeah, yeah. and Hugh Grant is like, <laughs> actually, Britain's a wonderful place with a home of Harry Potter and David Beckham's right foot and David Beckham's left foot. And then he says, fuck you, America, all of America. Well, I think the craziest part, too, is like on top of that scene is that IRL people actually got mad that Tony Blair wasn't doing that. (laughs) And Tony Blair had to publicly address that he is not the same president as the one in Love Actually or Prime Minister. Sorry, whatever 
British politics are. What a beautiful are. movie. What a beautiful movie. The scene where um, Andrew Lincoln reveals to Keira Knightley that he's in love with her and then he just storms out of his own home or gallery or whatever. Also the part where like his gal- his like art gallery, like the art is like photos of naked people with Santa hats on them, like, like covering their nipples and stuff. And like, these these girls come in and they're laughing and he literally goes, um, it's not funny, it's art. <laughs> And then he runs out when he tells Karen Knightley he loves her. And then he like zips up his quarter zip fiercely while that oh song my God. by she's Dido actually plays. Going long on Love Actually. Oh, is it, oh is my it God. White she's flag? going long on Love no. Actually. Oh my God. She's going long on Love Actually. I <laughs> I watched it. Um, I've truly watched that movie a million times. Like I love Love Actually. And I love that people are so like, actually Love Actually sucks. Um, and because it does, and they're right, and that makes me love it more, actually. I watched The Holiday as well, which is my other go-to. Like, these are the ones that get me going. Haven't watched Nightmare Before Christmas yet because I won't make it through that one without weeping, but I'm sure it will be around the corner. Um, and I started watching today my new favorite holiday programming, which is Dash and Lily, my beloved Netflix limited series about two young people in New York City one loves Christmas, one doesn't, but one is having like the worst Christmas of her life. Um, and that really rings true to me. And I I weep and weep and weep when I watch it. And I'm very excited to finish it. I love Dash and Lily. Kevin, did you watch Emily in Paris this week? What? Yes. Yes, I did. I would die if you watched Emily in Paris. Last night, uh, my favorite member of BTS, uh, BTS RM, posted a clip of him watching Emily in Paris. And I uh, almost got on a plane to Korea. <laughs> Kidding, kidding. I'd have to do a 14-day quarantine. I don't have that time or money. <laughs> I'm glad that you are doing everything in your God-given power to <laughs> just not jump off a bridge. I really Thank am <laughs> very happy for you. Uh, this is great work, great progress uh, by you and by all, I think. And it seems like you're really getting in the Christmas spirit. I'm you know, not, you're really getting all. the Christmas <laughs> spirit. Uh, I listened to two Christmas songs um, <laughs> while I was driving around yesterday. It wasn't raining yet, but I was like driving around like, what was I doing? I was like doing errands. And um, I listened to actually one Christmas song and I started crying so hard I couldn't see. And I had to change the back to um, all right. K-pop. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, the good thing, uh, the good thing about Omicron, at least, is that uh, it kick it just fucking pulled all the wind out of our sails so yes. hard at the beginning of December, uh, like right the day after like, on Black Friday, people already had their full Christmas displays up. They were just ready, we were ready, ready we were for ready. The cheery, jeery times. And then in these past week and a half, nobody knows Christmas is today. This is just a normal podcast day for most people. Oh we're God, reminding people we're listening to the podcast that right now it's Christmas. <laughs> I a layman. I'm here to inject the full Christmas spirit into your spirit. Oh, because Kevin got me a present. I got you a present. I'm such a good friend. I'm the best co-host in the world. Should I open it right now? Joy to Kevin. He got you present. You open up the bag. Lots of little tissue, a couple little candies, and inside there's a stack of little treaty treats, and you will get to the bottom of the bag. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open it. He demanded that I he draw came to my home in a 
rainstorm and demanded I open this on the pod. And I had to wait. And it's been sitting in my room while I waited. Good. Okay, so you're already opening it. I need this. We this is not a visual medium. I need very graphic okay. details. I'll do ASMR of what you're doing, what you're touching, what's the bag. Give the viewers at home, uh, listeners at home, the full experience. Maybe they don't have presents. <laughs> Maybe this is their only gift opening experience today. This will be one of my very few gift opening experiences. Okay, so the bag has a snowman on it. Yes, red. Mm-hmm. Snowman is white, as snowmen are. Gorgeously wrapped, honestly. There's some tissue paper. Snowman ethno state is the only way to go. All right, get the tissue. Tissue out. Olive looks very confused. Okay, okay. so we're starting with a packet of peanut M and M's. There we go. One of my favorite treats. I, I did not know that this was a lucky chat. <laughs> Nature Valley oats and honey bar. You know the ones I mean. The ones that break apart the second you touch them. Check the expiration date. Ten December twenty twenty. Saved it just for you. Oh my god! There's a lot going on in here. Oh, there's a stack of movies. Oh my god! Oh oh. Actually, so sweet. Kevin has given me the original Fast and the Furious, a DVD copy of Fast Five, which is funny because I do have a Blu-ray copy of Fast Five that I did. I tell you this? I totally. I no. did not tell you this. I like went to Rite Aid with my friend to get. I like really wanted candy after like an evening out, and um, they had a Blu-ray copy of Fast Five for one dollar, and I was like, "How have I bought this?" And so I bought it, and I had to give the that's cha- such a good deal. I had to give the cashier my birthday because it was PG thirteen. <laughs> 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 a copy of Pain and Gain, which is a masterpiece, and a wrapped brand new Blu-ray of. A Christmas movie. David Fincher's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. How sweet. Oh, what a picture. What a picture. There's more. I hope to one day I get the appeal. Oh, my God. Okay. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. What the hell? Kevin gave me a lot of gifts. (laughs) I'm sweating. Okay, there's... um, So, don't don't do... That one's last. At the very bottom. Uh, oh, there's a Welch's fruit snacks. snacks. Yes. <laughs> the white one? Do not open the white one yet. Okay. So that this is the one last is one a gorgeous rainbow Carly Rae Jepsen t shirt, which is very sweet because I love Carly Rae Jepsen. From Emotion, yeah. her masterpiece. The Emotion era. Now, Aya, before you open this next present, I'm scared. I just want you to know doing this podcast with you has been such fun. I've been having an absolute blast. I'm about to die. <laughs> and I really think. I'm scared. That above all else, what I hope we do with this show for everyone listening is not Manifest, just Kevin. Manifest. Up, up your film bro game, dog. No, Uh-oh. I don't care. It's that we should all be talking shit. And then the best way to talk your fullest shit is to know your shit. And I hope oh, week by week. Both of us end up on the better end of knowing our shit. And Aya, I would like no one better to learn my shit with than with you. Pal, that's so sweet. Should I open this? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, God, I'm so scared. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! (laughs) 
pain. <laughs> Suck my dick. Suck my whole entire hog. <laughs> Fuck you. Christmas sucks. Get fucked. Is this your Get shirt? Fuck this is Isla your Man. shirt, isn't it? What's the shirt? What's on the shirt? Tell the audience at home what the shirt is. It's. <laughs> what color is the shirt? Is it a nice creamy beige? <laughs> it's like a yeah. It's like a dirty cream. It's like a like okay. a like a light brown okay. almost like a tan. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Deeper into winter, I blend it with my skin tone. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually kind of true. <laughs> on the shirt uh, is a heart, uh-huh. and inside the heart, and if you listen to a former episode, you'll already know it's in the shirt because it is the skin. <laughs> scene from the shining that scared me so bad i had to sleep with my mom for a week (laughs) where the person in a dog suit um is going down on the old man it's in a heart it's very romantic and i'm very get fucked rookie you dumb ass idiot we are talking today about the ultimate <laughs> Christmas movie. We are talking about Mr. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick. We are talking the ultimate cuck experience in 20th century cinema. This is the Eyes Wide Shut episode. My eyes wide shut right now. <laughs> Just a, a home run, long game transition there by me. Just a really, to pat myself <laughs> on the back for a moment. Just really want to, oh, you hear that? You fucking hear that audience? That's a pat. That's a pat. Bitch. <laughs> Kevin and I saw Eyes Wide Shut in beautiful circum- under beautiful circumstances. As we've discussed now, yeah. this yeah. city is shutting down. Um, events are getting canceled. I mean, it's not shutting down, but you know, people are shutting down. We're in our homes again. Omicron is out there. Kevin and I, three weeks ago, we saw... Three weeks, you said? Who cares? Okay. Saw a screening of Eyes Wide Shut at the new Beverly Cinema for my first time ever watching it. And it was a delight. There was a couple that sat down next to us. They left. (laughs) (laughs) Like, immediately. Like, very quickly. (laughs) They stayed for the opening cartoons, some of the trailers. And then as soon as they got to like the holiday party, they're like, okay, let's dip. They Which, were here's out. the thing. I don't know if maybe they went to a row behind us because the 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 lady friend in that equation uh was because of the nature of the seat at New Beverly, and uh because I have tree trunk thighs, uh I'm taking up a lot of that seat, lady. And she those was, seats you know, are not a lot of room for her. They get a little fresh with you. <laughs> I haven't had my hips touched like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a really like bent caress around. It really is. The curves of your of your hips. You feel held by the seats of the new bev. And uh, it's not a place where I want physical contact. Mm. If I'm going to new Beverly, I don't really want to be reminded of what patron there could lay their hands on me. You know I love the new Bev. You know, it's so funny that the first time I went to the new Bev was with you. Um, we saw a screening of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was, I believe, February 2020. Uh, 
one of the one of the last movies I saw in theaters before things really shut down. And now, once again, <laughs> after we went to the new Bev, one of my last theater going experiences. Huh. Wait. Wait. So. So what are you insinuating here? I'm just recognizing a pattern, that's all. <laughs> okay, just a pattern that uh, includes us. Very and, uh, cursed pattern. Okay, and there's an exponential that also includes the death of the medium that we love so dearly. Indeed, indeed. Okay, wow, so we are saviors is what you're saying. I think so, I really do. <laughs> and, the, and good for us. So you always say on this fucking pod about all these older ass movies, like, well, I think I would have liked it if I had seen it in a theater. I do. I do a lot. So I wanted to jump on the opportunity. I think I bought these tickets before I even fully cleared it with your schedule. So you went to go see one of the older films we do on this pod, which is crazy that the 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 uh, speed of time is such that 1999, I can comfortably say does feel a very long time ago. This movie feels like it was ages ago. But you saw this movie in a theater. So I'm curious, uh, have you been able to revisit it at home? What was the theatrical experience for you like specifically in terms of Eyes Wide Shot? We're going to be talking a lot. This is one of the biggest movies, before we really dive into it, I think, that we've ever talked about on the pod. In, yes. in, in pure terms of, we brought up The Matrix earlier, and we kind of cut the topic short because... Uh, the, the Matrix Resurrections, or any Matrix for that matter, they are not movies that you can just be like, okay, let's just bring up this small topic and then wrap it up in about three minutes. Uh, these are films that are kind of Rorschach tests. How you even describe the plot of Eyes Wide Shut mm. will kind of tell what you read and took away from the movie. So this is, there's like a, a lot of shit to talk about here, but I really want to get into the theatrical experience of it all for you. Of course, of course. Um, perfect, perfect, perfect. Lots of cool hot people in the theater, which I thought was shocking for a Saturday night at the New uh, Bath. Uh, no offense. A lot of dates. A lot of dates. Hilarious. A lot of dates. We were laughing quite a bit because this movie <laughs> is funny. And I felt some people were laughing with us, but it felt a lot of the times it was like, oh, that's just us. <laughs> Or even just me. Particularly the sequence where he gets back from the orgy and Nicole Kidman is laughing in her sleep and then she's woken up and Tom Cruise asks her, what were you dreaming about? And she explains how she was in like a big like post-apocalyptic wasteland and there's a bunch of men and then she woke up and then Tom Cruise was like, that wasn't the end of the dream. And then Nicole Kidman goes, okay. All the men fucked me, and you were watching, and then I wanted to make fun of you, so I laughed. Aya, we broke. We were laughing very we hard. We were fucking rolling because on the- We were ruffling. Like, there's no- Like, his face is just- He's doing the, the Kubrick stare. He just uh -huh. drops <laughs> like his face is yeah. dead that entire time after this night of insanity that he what the lengths he went to to try to own his own wife. 
And then he gets home and he gets owned a second time that night with a not even something that act and both of the times he gets owned are not by things that ever actually happened. They're just in her subconscious nope. or her imagination. And he's just taking L's left and right. So deeply fragile that the thought of betrayal is enough to just shatter his entire read on his own uh, place in in the American caste system, in his own place in the sort of like sexual hierarchy of what he perceives as his gender and uh, completely owned in the marketplace of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> like down to his DNA, he has taken an L. This is a very, very like sinisterly funny film yes i mean what struck out to you what what was like particularly the teehees because there's obviously like a meta element to watching a couple that we know divorces two years later uh in like huge tabloid fashion watching a movie about their marriage curtailing in the most hilariously vulnerable way possible in a way that we truly never get to see from celebrities but even just like people we know, we True, barely yes. get to see them this vulnerable. I don't think I'll ever get to see my good friend Ethan in New York. I I will never know if he has this experience with his girlfriend. But we do know about Julia Fox's experience. Oh no! <laughs> but that's the thing, is which I feel, I feel like- conflicted about knowing about. I feel like you say that, but like. These are things that we will never know about. Like, our, we could never know about some of our closest friends. Like, these are things that could never be told to us. They're so intimate to their relationships that they're ne- something I'm, I'll never know about. But I feel like it's something I know about so many celebrities, you know? Like, I, I we actually know so much more about a celebrity than our own close friends in that way. Like, you think about Benifer and Geely. Like, I know why Ben and Jen broke up. <laughs> like, I know why Ben broke up with all of his women, you know? Like, right. it's such a weird celebrity thing where like it's part of their art it's part of their business to tell us what happens to them and even in these most vulnerable moments like that's something that we just kind of know which is such an interesting facet to this movie where it's like this was like right on the verge of paparazzi getting to be like deeply deeply invasive in a celebrity's life and so they were just kind of like now nah, we'll just tell you <laughs> it comes into like a discussion of social capital of gossip mm-hmm. like. You just, you, I, layman, have much more valuable information in like 2000 about your read on Eyes Wide Shut and different things that you've heard from other people about other people about Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. That is just more valuable information than you telling me about uh, your, you know, your best friend's engagement. You know, like, I'm sure you probably know some freaky shit. About how maybe they tried anal uh, the wedding uh, the night before the wedding, and uh, and then they you know ruined the dress. Who knows? Hijinks ensue in real life. That's the thing. I don't want to learn that. Who cares about that? It's it's a one off. What am I gonna when I tell someone else that story? No, thank you. But I will tell someone. No, I'll tell someone. Maybe. I'll t- I'll tell someone any story. <laughs> Okay. My friend truly called. That's so funny that you say that. Oh, no. I am not like disqualifying your point because that's your that's your business, not in my business. And that's why we're different. 
my friend literally called me earlier and was like, I have gossip about someone neither of us know. And I was like, tell me. Jesus Christ, <laughs> you fucking chunky. And it was good. <laughs> it was really good. I mean, that's the best kind. Of, but that's what But that's what we said. And that's what you're saying is that that's, that's the best kind. Because I'm not, like, skewing my view on a person I know and love. I now have this random story about some person I've never met before. And now I can tell somebody else. And we can all be like, wow, isn't that crazy? And it's just like, you know, that's 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 the Odyssey, baby. That's I guess, oral like, storytelling. That's, like that, that's like a $10 bill of a story. But, like, True. a $50 bill is, if you know that, something that fucking gross about Doja Cat. If I you know, know that like, much about Julia Fox's baby daddy having sex with his aunt. Is that something that she actually said yes, or are you just is. making that no, up? No, it is. It's something she said. <laughs> that he had sex with his aunt? His own. I missed that part of the IG story. I'll be honest. I did too. I did too. <laughs> I got a recap. Huh. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, well, we'll fact check that one another time. Uh, this movie made me laugh a lot. <laughs> This movie made me laugh a lot. This movie made me laugh a lot more and more. This like every time he does anything, it's funny. Like every time, like when the car drives up to him and they hand him a little note. Like all of this could be, and I think you should leave. Sketch. (laughs) (laughs) Not Tim Robinson. It's like hot guy Tom Cruise. And every time, like when they drive up to him and they hand him the little note that's like, (laughs) Tom Cruise, please go away. Like everything is so when he when he go, like, this is so bad when he goes to the the sex worker's house and their roommate's like <laughs> she has AIDS <laughs> and you're like how many times can this guy not succeed <laughs> and at that point it's not even really like he's trying to like. Like, he's not hunting down any strange or anything, but he's still just kind of, like, searching for something. And everything he gets, he's like, fuck, this has nothing to do with me. <laughs> but even then, like, the, the sequence where he learns that Domino has AIDS is weirdly also, like, he's, it's another L. But it's also, like, for once, he gets a W in the movie, and he's trying to conceal in his face <laughs> That he doesn't want the He's other like, woman to know <laughs> that to him, this is a big dub. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. That's kind of like the really like sickly, kind of like gross and evil morality that everyone is is functioning at with He's this movie so to the point where consumed. it's like macabre. He's so consumed with his own shit in this movie. <laughs> where like he comes across a man who's literally um <clears throat> offering up his own daughter. And he's like Anyways, this doesn't help me at all. Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> well, look, before we get too deep in the weeds, okay. uh, I, I, I want to know. Stanley Kubrick, one of the all-time big boy directors. This is a guy who, uh, when he passed away, uh, Tom Cruise said that he, ha- he made 13 perfect visions, and I'm just glad. I got to be a part of one of them. Oh, that's sweet. Tom Cruise thinks that most people in Hollywood think that he is not only one of like the film bro guys, but he's like one of the gaffers guys. He's one of the director's guys. He's a writer's guy. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who make movies, Kubrick is kind of like a model. What did you know about Eyes Wide Shut going into Eyes Wide Shut 
And what did any of your previous knowledge of Stanley Kubrick, if you do have previous knowledge of Stanley Kubrick, how did that inform your first ever viewing of the Christmas classic, Eyes Wide Shut? <clears throat> so I've seen Dr. Strangelove, 2001, Shining, and now Eyes Wide Shut. So obviously based on Dr. Strangelove is a funny movie. Shining, very scary movie. 2001, very scary movie. Do you find the movie scary? I find the movie scary. Yes. I, I, I like the best part about 2001 is that you can read the ending as like deeply hopeful and revelatory or the, the absolute worst nightmare imaginable. I go, uh, I go the latter. <laughs> uh, me too. So I thought this movie was going to be scary just from like the general energy of it. And I think people had like told me like, oh, that's going to scare you. You know, like there had been that like, ooh, look out. You know, that's a big one. That's a spooky one. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I had also warned you going into it. Where it's like we we watched this going into I think the very first week of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, uh, so you know the Epstein holiday spirit was in the air, baby. And yeah. uh, this is a movie that I, I think when Epstein uh, got murdered, allegedly he, he got murdered. Uh, everyone at the time, all like the super like brain fried leftists, were all like, "Okay, time to watch Eyes Wide Shut tonight." Then, oh, that's dark. Uh, so. So I wanted to kind of like give you a heads up because I Jeffrey Epstein killing himself, getting murdered. It's often treated as a meme. Yeah. Uh, but, very disturbing. But there's like a very disturb, like possibly the most disturbing evil in modern human history is be at the hands of that man. So it's kind of when you're going into a movie that elicits a lot of that aura, I just wanted to let you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where that, I mean, it's like a haunting film. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it sticks with you. Like, there's so much to think about afterwards and to be like rattled by. But overall, it wasn't like I was like like the way I watched The Shining, where I was like, Ugh. so I was expecting it the to si be. The that Shining way. is a lot more suffocating than this. Yeah, I did expect it to not be as funny, even though I like have experienced one of his funnier films. So I should have known it was going to be funnier. God, it was a freaking laugh. Um. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I thought it was going to be like a, like a sexy movie, you know, like that's what you hear. You're like, oh, right. look out, okay. like the sexy movie, like there's a lot of nudity in this movie. It's literally a movie about like gender dynamics, power dynamics of sex. Not a sexy movie. <laughs> Very upset. Did you, what, what, what did you know about the orgy? I didn't know anything. Like, I was really not. Did I? I don't know. You never saw like photos online of like the masks or. I knew about that, the masks. That, like, I red she, ballroom. I thought she was going to be involved. I thought she was going to go with him. I thought it was like a. You know? Oh. I thought it was like. I thought it was like a thing they got involved in together and then maybe it got out of hand, which is not. That doesn't sound like a good movie. This is a good movie. <laughs> That's a criminal minds, you know? <laughs> No. <laughs> speaking of criminal minds, speaking of criminal oh, minds, God damn it! Criminal minds extended universe in this episode. Hotch, Aaron Hotchner, is his patient's daughter's fiance. Hotch. Okay. I smacked Kevin Sard, and he was like, "Whoa, who? Oh, who was that guy?" Like, so excited for me to say, "Like, oh, he's in this movie." No, no. I said, "Hotch, Hotch." <laughs> From criminal minds. <laughs> 
in the I, new Beverly on this beautiful 35 millimeter print touch. surrounded by people who were enveloped by the film. Touch. You made a scene. I made a scene. You made a who? I made a scene. I also was um, sipping tea for the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. Let me set the scene for you. I brought a hydro flask full of chai and was just like I'd open it and steam Good, would yeah. come out <laughs> and I'd take a little sip burn my little tongue had a great night <laughs> to stay awake to stay awake I'm for someone sleepy. who is so scared of COVID mm-hmm. I am shocked how much you love still your little <laughs> snacks and your little drinks in a public setting it is fucking crazy to me the, what I didn't mention last week was that when we were watching Spider-Man No Help next to the b- breakfast burrito guy in the row with no one wearing masks, I'm like, okay, I gave Aya a second mask. Everything should be fine. During one of the most quiet parts of No Way Home, I think Tom Holland is doing the cry face thing again. Yeah. All I hear next to me is, and then I look over. She has this big ass hydro flask out. Unscrewing the whole fucking tank. Taking off both her masks and going. Did you drink it through the mask? Waterboard myself and Spider Man No Way Home. I thought by how fucked our situation was, maybe for like another hour fifteen, you would put off a sip of hydration. It was two seconds. It is incredible. How much of an OG loyal you are to the movie theater drink. Mm, I do. I do live for it. (laughs) Venom, I had a large popcorn just like. (laughs) Dude. You were Venom. You you were Venom and Carnage at once. And dude, I got a large popcorn. (laughs) My friend got a hot dog. Dune was streaming at home. You could have had a whole banquet, a whole dinner, completely uninhibited I wanted my large, by your surrounding I wanted my large man. Popcorn, so I could just devour it. <laughs> I want to give a shout here out. You are. I want to give a shout out to a friend of the pod, Alex, <laughs> who, after listening to the Ghostbusters Afterlife episode, texted me, How do you eat popcorn? Well, like, like a baby, like Mr. Fox in Fantastic Mr. Fox, the way he just like <laughs> scarfed down a meal. <laughs> That's my visual reference for you. That's it. I, I, I mean, she's not bluffing. That really is it. Movie, she ate the bag. This movie is insane. This movie um is so funny because it <laughs> the night of him like pursuing this this night of like what he thinks is luxury. <laughs> And like getting back to his wife <laughs> involves him like walking around the city, depressed, getting harassed, <laughs> going to a costume shop. Oh, I love it. I love that he's such a jock in this movie. I love that he like <clears throat> he fully does not belong there and he doesn't realize that he does not belong there. You know, like even Nicole Kidman says, why do we always get invited to this party at the very beginning of the movie? She says, why do we always get invited to this party? And he's like, oh, you know, this guy's nice, blah, blah. When like, clearly this guy really keeps him around because he's a doctor and you get, you know, like, like that's his guy. You know, he's been like cordially invited to the, the get together. It's not like they're besties and they go way back. Tom Cruise spends this movie watching football, just like being a normal bro, you know, he has this horrible moment. He's like not very bright when he doesn't realize that this woman is like his patient's daughter is like obsessed with him. 
he like has this moment where he's like, oh, I'm going to go to this like cool, rich sex party because he's like a rich doctor. So clearly he would fit in. And then he shows up in a costume (laughs) that he rented (laughs) in a taxi that he leaves running outside the door and thinks he's going to get away with everything and that he actually fits in there. (laughs) And the second he walks in, they're like, no, you big, dumb jock. You don't belong here at all. (laughs) You're just the little doctor we keep around to make sure that the woman I just had sex with in the bathroom of my family holiday party doesn't die of an overdose, buddy. It's a self-own. He's getting owned externally and interiorly. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole time you're watching this 5'7 prince completely take his six foot grant wife for granted his it's beautiful art curator shit. mother wife oh. tower of a woman a statue of a lady and he's like <laughs> she thought about having sex with another dude but i'm me <laughs> there's like a lot of really subtle jabs at this character i think like one of the best sight gags of maybe any movie ever made is just looking at tom cruise wearing uggs indoors (laughs) it's just you there's no joke the camera doesn't pan down to his shoes it's just the confident pose in the blue jeans while he's watching the game on his flat screen box tiny little tv in his in his gorgeous living room in his manhattan penthouse apartment there's a lot in this film that I do not know where the line starts and stops regarding who this is about. Mm-hmm. For example, the apartment they live in is apparently a replica of Stanley Kubrick's family home in the 60s before he moved to England. This is where he lived with his daughters and his wife, and they recreated it on an English set. Hmm. Tom Cruise. <laughs> is very obviously being directed to do the Tom Cruise. Like, there is this performance in every which way, in just not only how he's interacting with other people, but I think when they show up to that to the, to the, the doctor party, like the, the expensive party at the beginning, yeah. what I find so interesting, when he r- walks up to the guy who invited him, Sidney Pollack, they're blocking, they're like facing out to the camera like it feels like it's a play and it feels very unnatural but on one hand they are playing out literally to the camera but in their own sort of like social bubble this is how just these people stand to look to others (laughs) you know you need to present yourself as much of like a pristine sort of like mannequin to keep up this level of status and as much as like uh, as, as the tom cruise character who i think now that I'm introducing the real person and the character, I'm going to start referring to Tom Cruise and then uh, Dr. Hartford. Dr. Hartford. Yes, that's his name. You're right. W- one of the big funny parts of this movie is that Dr. Hartford is like definitely not as rich as he thinks he is. He is a, he is a poor boy at heart when he sees what real rich people are up to, but he's still rich. He, is, he he's still knows the cues. He is still a wealthy man, but he's like, and he's not even new. I, don't, I wouldn't even call him like nouveau rich. Like that's not doesn't feel like apt in this situation. But he is not like old 
old money. You know, do you remember that? Like, no, like it's not a it's like it's like a perverse Gatsby situation almost. <laughs> but do you remember that scene? There's like that comic where it's like Tom is like, <laughs> you don't you'll never understand it's Gatsby. Like, we're old money. And then he's like, how old? And he's like, old as balls. Like, that's what this movie feels like. Where it's like, you're not, like, you could not even, you could never even fathom how old this money goes and how deep, like, the alliances here are and the secrets and how far it goes and how much they control. Or maybe they don't. And it's all just very, very silly. And they're like, yeah, he wasn't invited, this weird guy. (laughs) At the end of this movie, it kind of feels like, oh, I hate to do this. I hate to do this. I hate to do it. Under the Silver Lake. (laughs) Okay. All right. Where, like, the more you look into it, the more you can find and see. But ultimately, the more you look into it, the more the movie is making fun of you. Because it's like, stop looking into it. You're not going to understand it no matter what. And it's never going to get you anywhere. So why would you even look into it? So at the end of this movie, like he's so paranoid and he's like, oh my God, like this network of people is all around, blah, blah, blah. But like his freaking friend is there. Like he recognizes his shoes and he's like, I know that guy. <laughs> he doesn't even recognize his shoes. You can pretty easily recognize someone under a mask and their basic height <laughs> and their gorgeous hair. So like at the end of this movie, the guy's like, what are you talking about? Like, that was just like, oh, that poor girl, she just overdosed. Your friend, the pianist, he's at home with his family in Seattle. Like, why would you think anything else? But at the same time, it's like, why would you think anything else? But at the same time, it's like, why would you think anything else? I mean, (laughs) I, you're right. Under the Silver Lake is definitely, I think, the most direct corollary that we can reach to in terms of movies we've already talked about Mm -hmm. on this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hate that. Sorry. I think. Have been planning on watching it, though. Don't you? All right. Listen. That movie (laughs) is. You're right. It is like directly antagonistic Mm -hmm. in a way where it has a mystery that was never meant to be solved, and to that effect, was never written to have any effect. You know, like it. It's not that the treat of Under the Silver Lake is if oh, if you solve it, then you get this little like surprise at the end of oh, this is what he was going for. No, he just straight up never wrote that part. With Eyes Wide Shut, I think there's there's still definitely like a hostility to this movie, but there is also like a worldliness <laughs> to all of it. Like the fact that that, that whole conversation with, with uh, between Hartford and Sidney Pollock at the end of the film is one of like my favorite interactions between two characters in any movie. Mm-hmm. It is this great so mix of so black-hearted evil and then just an older rich guy teaching a younger rich guy the rules of the game keep your mouth shut bro (laughs) keep your money tight maybe one day you want to do this but i can already tell you were not made for this you were not built for this yeah and it, it becomes like not only like the exposition part of the movie but it's this molecular breakdown of who Dr. Hartford thought he was up until that point. When he gets, he's already been completely shattered as a sexual being, Mm -hmm. as a masculine figure in his household, as even a doctor. (laughs) The only thing he really has left is his status and his capital. And when he leaves that room, all he's left with is a wallet of $100 bills. And really, really, Maybe that's all he needs. 
Because all through the film, he is kind of like getting sexual gratification from giving away money. Yes. He carries so much cash on him. And I was watching the movie and was like, he carries so much cash on him. But then I remembered that like, we weren't like primarily card based at the time, you know? Not yet. Yeah. This movie is deeply, so deeply rooted in like the way, I feel like a part of why we were talking about why it feels so much older than 1999, which like on top of just like Kubrick's style and like not wanting to feel too like feel it feels modern in a way but it's also like because this like ancient ritual is so you know has that mystery around it it's it's got to feel older but also like this is just like so clear about like what a different world we live in now (laughs) i was like watching this movie and i was like i miss i miss when it was hard for like men to have sex (laughs) like this guy goes on a pursuit we're like this look, I, yeah. an eyes wide shut couldn't happen in this day and age you know there's the internet there's you know a million apps there's you know four billion people you could text and be like what's going on <laughs> um and it's just it feels so feels so deeply rooted in 1999 pre like pre you know the new century like before the tech before technology like truly took over even in the way that it's so analog of him like taking cash everywhere writing down like the guy has a cell phone i think they all have like cell phones maybe but that's it and he like writes down the the password and has to write down the address and he's like oh i know where that is and you're like what (laughs) even on google maps (laughs) in terms of like difficult to have sex are you talking about tom cruise in this movie or are you talking about the cultist that show up for a meeting like this. Oh, no, I mean, just like in general, like men in general, where it was like, oh, you have to like, <laughs> like my man's down bad, but he has to like find a secret sex cult to like maybe like <laughs> one up his wife as opposed to being able to just like open Tinder and be like, haha, gotcha, you know? Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I mean, I always open Tinder and immediately I'm fucking, you know what I mean? It's just I'll open the phone right now and the recording. I can fuck right this second. I can't relate to a male experience. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Well, that, well, what are you talking about? Of course, I, the amazing part, in addition to, it's, it's, it, it's not even a surprise that we are seeing peak infection rates of COVID as soon as we get the vaccine. You know what I mean? Like, that's not surprising because as soon as like Tinder and Bumble and Hinge open up, of course you see all these studies about Gen Zs and millennials not fucking anymore. There's something so interesting about opening up the field so much that it then just become everyone just becomes tom cruise tom cruise could fuck any walking living thing in this movie we see proof of that when he's at the party and these two supermodels they just like walk, approach like, him tow- <laughs> they approach him they tower over him and immediately propose him for a threesome he can get anything he wants the problem and i think what it is now like almost like a behavioral issue with a lot of people not like a one-to-one per se but the only thing stopping Tom Cruise and Eyes Wide Shut is that he wants the perfect revenge and he doesn't know what that is. He it's, has no yeah, it's it, impossible because he's so fun it's impossible to find and because he so fundamentally misunderstands not only the essence of his wife but the essence of all cisgendered women. <laughs> he does not know what will be satisfying for this aimless pursuit. And because he like because the like I don't think he because the fact that he doesn't actually remember the guy that his wife is describing 
And yeah. she's and she's described like what's worse is that it's not just a dude, it's like a dude in uniform, like it's like a sailor or whatever, like he's in the navy or something. <laughs> and so he has he now has to combat like he now has to fight not only his beautiful statuesque wife, who he's clearly not good enough for, even though I don't think he realizes that. Uh he also has to now be do better than the masculine ideal he has crafted in his head. Like the ideal man that his wife in her mind cheated on him with. <laughs> and he's like, okay, what's the peak girl? Which is why we were joking that like he meets, you know, the 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 teenage daughter is offered up to him and he's like, nah, that's not good enough. <laughs> it's nah. not even like a I wouldn't hook up with a teenager. It's a that girl's not gonna make my wife feel bad enough about herself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Tom Cruise in this movie is like the one member of the pedophile elite who's saying, too young. Too young. <laughs> and I think it, it kind of ties back to that idea of where the line is drawn of who this movie is really about at what given time. Because, and I'm curious on your take on this, how aware do you think Tom Cruise is of the fact that this movie is very directly playing with almost every accusation of anti-masculinity that has been thrown at Tom Cruise, the actor. I don't know. Like, obviously, he's a delusional man. He's a Scientologist. You know? Mm -hmm. So I could, I can't even, I'm too scared to even access the psyche of Tom Cruise, frankly. (laughs) I'm actually, I'm actively afraid to consider what Tom Cruise thinks this movie's about. I mean, it's based on, like, a short story. So maybe he's fully been like, oh, well, it's just a short story. Like, I, I like, like, oh, this is a gorgeous adaptation. This has nothing to do with me and my wife. Because then you have to ask, what are Kubrick's intents? But then, as soon as you start asking what Kubrick's intents are, you then get into the whole question, the whole can of worms of, well, do I ever really want to know a director's intent? No! <laughs> Okay, but when do you? But I think that's part of the magic of this movie. The magic. (laughs) Is that, like, we can't know. And I mean, I always think that's the best part about him, though. I mean, there's literally a documentary made about theories about The Shining and what it could secretly be about. I mean, there's people who believe, some people, (laughs) who believe he faked the moon Uh landing. Oh, no. I, uh, do you have something to admit here? When I was in New York. Why are you doing it? Oh, no. I, a layman. I went to an exhibit uh-huh. on uh-huh. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. At the Museum of Moving Image. If you live in New York City, if you ever go to New York City, not now, but if you ever go to New York City, get on a train, go to Queens, okay, cut get the brunch. Sh- no, no, no. You're covering base here. You're trying to throw people off your scent. I'm not going to allow that. Keep going. I think there's compelling evidence. You fucking weirdo. You absolute (laughs) psychopath. I I walked up to like, I literally saw like two pieces. Like it was like key art or something. And he had like taken notes on them. And I walked up and I was like, wow, he did it. He did it. He faked it. Well, you just said you saw two photos. Yeah. Like, I saw the whole exhibit. I saw the whole thing. 
But like two pieces specifically, I was like, yeah. Two photographs were enough. Key art, not photographs, key art. Oh, I'm sorry. Two pieces of key art. (laughs) Two drawings. Were enough. (laughs) Were enough to make your rabbit brain Mm -hmm. go, oh. All right, yeah, confirmed. Confirmed he faked the moon landing. So it seems that you are actually. The space race, Kevin! (laughs) We had to get there first! So you're actually a prime candidate to dissect the uh the psyche of tom cruise actually so let's just <laughs> let's not beat around the bush just get right into the fucking heart of darkness all right how much of this do you think is a pained man using his own pain and how much of it is stanley kubrick doing the shelly duvall <laughs> and trying to trick this man into being his most vulnerable pathetic self he's cucking him Big time. <laughs> yeah, I mean there are there are several cases to say that he is like Kubrick is kind of willingly doing that apparently for the shooting days where Nicole Kidman was doing the black and white sort of sex scenes with the sailor. Uh-huh. Oh my god! It would take days on end, full days of shooting, and she would not allow her. He would not allow her to tell him anything about the day. So he literally could only imagine what they were filming. And the only thing that Kubrick would say would be like, okay, it's going to be a closed set and it's going to be full frontal nudity. So in a way, I would maybe say this was a very small crew, a very small set. This has the Guinness world record for the longest consistent film shoot. Oh my God. I think it's 400 days. What? This this film shot from November 1996 to January 1998 pause reshoots again in the summer and ends in June 1998. And all during that time, Aya. Tom Cruise had no idea what was going on. No, no, even better. He had too much of an idea what was going on. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman signed an open contract. They were not to sign on to any other project until this was over. This was their entire... This movie, Aya, was this married couple's entire life for two years. So as much as I think one of the film's great achievements... (laughs) is this whole odyssey through a single night type element, it becomes even more impressive and downright maniacal when you realize that Kubrick is making these two actors and the rest of their ensemble run through the same 24-hour gauntlet for 400 days. (laughs) I know that this is, like, not, you know... A thing anymore like i know that this is me is me is, is less and less meaningful every year but like the fact that this movie was completely snubbed for like any academy awards after that deranged <laughs> kind of funny uh, well kind of funny <laughs> a completely different era as well where this movie opens number one at the box office what like what i mean it's tom yep. cruise that makes sense tom cruise nicole kidman they kept like the whole publicity for this movie 
was super, super under wraps. The only thing people, I think the, the trailer was like a censored version of the mirror sequence where Tom Cruise wraps around her and starts kissing her. Yeah. They they made a huge like almost like J.J. Abrams type deal about not letting anyone ever touch the script, uh, not letting anyone share a log line. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman on top of like being in this movie for two years. They were also like in a Kubrickian type solitude where they were hardly ever in public spaces. And so when they were in public, it was like a huge. Oh, my God, they're back. Yeah, they're, they came out of the Kubrick shoot. Oh, my God. So no one knew the plot of this movie. And so I think a lot of people kind of had your disposition going into this where it's like, okay, if they're keeping it this secret, this is going to be the smuttiest, sexiest, weirdest little movie. And it's smutty and it's weird, but it's definitely not the blockbuster that I think a lot of people were expecting going into it. Like this is a guy. <laughs> it's him like, uh, this is, like stumbling <laughs> around New York being like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Like this is after Mission Impossible. This is like, I think this is this is his follow up to Mission Impossible. Oh, that's so funny. I think looking at the Tom Cruise career trajectory before we talk more about him is very important because right now we are currently living in the longest gap ever since Tom Cruise started acting, in which we do not have a Tom Cruise movie. Oh my god! I want to read. This man's timeline to you. Okay. May I? Please. Oh, you know how I feel about Tom Cruise. Go ahead. Okay. Technically, he has uh, Endless Love, Taps, and The Outsiders, but these are sort of like buildups. The real Tom Cruise run starts 1983, Risky Business. What a man. The same year, he also has All the Right Moves, mm -hmm. okay? In 1984, he skips it because he's in Ridley Scott's Legend, bitch. Okay. And then- 1986, he's in Top Gun. Also in 1986, he's in Martin Scorsese's The Color of Money. 87. Ah, oh, man. He skips 87. He breaks up the pattern. Why? Because in 88, he's in Cocktail and Rain Man. Wow. And then right into 89, Born on the Fourth of July, 90, Days of Thunder, 91. Ah, oh, man. He skipped it. He skipped... Oh, Oh, Tom Cruise, what the fuck you? 1992, Far and Away, and A Few Good Men. 1993, Sidney Pollock's The Firm. Come 1994, on. The Interview with a Vampire. Oh, and what a picture. R.I.P. Anne Rice. 1995, he skips. Tom Cruise fucks up the pattern again because he was working on 1996. Because 1996 is the double hitter of Mission Impossible. And Jerry Maguire. Hell yeah. And then Aya, radio silence. <gasps> because. 1997, nothing. 1998, nothing. 1999, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes, Eyes Wide, wide shut. shut. Looking at his career, up until Eyes Wide Shut, even me just reading it aloud right now, I cannot believe this movie got made. Yeah, that's I wild. I cannot believe this movie exists in the timeline. I mean, I mean, it's just like he was such a huge star. But I mean, as we discussed, like he and Nicole pursued Kubrick and were like, we want to make this movie. Like, we really want you to make this movie. We want to be in a movie with you. Like, we'll just we'll do whatever you want. So it's like yeah. shocking. And Kubrick was like in the same boat. He, yeah. he wanted a husband and wife and they were 
his top choice. It's shocking that his agents, their agents, like, let them do this. <laughs> like, they were like, yeah, go ahead. We'll block off two years for you. The Literally, like, the year after Mission Impossible, and I'm sure every human on God's green earth was banging down Tom Cruise's door, and the agents were like, fine, go ahead. Do whatever you want. Two years with Kubrick, that's fine. I have made some pretty sweeping statements about Warner Brothers on our podcast this year. I think it's safe to say. I think at one time, I, I said that the HBO Max drops uh, weekly were akin to terrorist attacks. That's how bad the movies <laughs> Jesus. were. And I, here's the thing, man. Warner Media is diabolical. But we are now in a year where just a day ago, they bankrolled a $150 million Matrix movie that self-immolates and blows apart any movie in its vicinity 22 years prior. They bankrolled this movie with an unlimited budget. <laughs> They're just like, fine, when Kubrick finishes it, he finishes it. This is a crazy, this is a crazy fucking Sad. studio, brother. It is. This is a crazy fucking studio. Oh my God, the way I who <laughs> sorry, Matrix uh, 4 spoilers incoming. The way I... Who did when Jonathan Groff, Jonathan Groff, I mean, we can't talk about Matrix. We can't talk about Matrix. Jonathan Groff. (laughs) When he said, (laughs) our parent company, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Oh my God. I smacked Kelsey next to me. I said, oh my God. Here we go. They're doing it. I did start watching um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare before I watched Matrix, which I thought was funny. Oh, wow. Because I heard a lot of reviews saying, that they, they are similar and i watched it and i was like they're right um <laughs> agreed i just thought it was fun i i've never seen another uh nightmare movie except for the first one and then i started watching yeah. that one and i was like here we go awesome all for you keanu thanks for sharing oh fuck off kevin <laughs> <laughs> uh so warner brothers uh as as fucked as they are in, on ma- many other days they are kind of still doing eyes wide shuts every once in a while and mm-hmm. with like no real uh, push to do so, like it just feels like a rogue glitch every single time this happens. So, I mean, we're talking about Tom Cruise on, on a very singular level, but what do you make of the larger uh, sort of like romance slash chemistry between Hartford and Alice in this movie and how it relates to Cruise and Kidman? I do think it's interesting that she never really has like a moment where she like lashes out at him ever. You think? Do you feel like she does? I think I might just be forgetting. Whole, I I mean, I think this is just maybe a, an implicitly different read of the movie between us. I think every scene she's in is her lashing out against him. Okay. Like I mean, obviously there's a scene where she's like upset and like the catalyst of the movie of her being upset that he has Basically, I mean, she's too high. And like, even I was like, I mean, you know, like he didn't mean like you're only interesting because you're a beautiful woman. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not what he meant. But, you know, like clearly she's um, built up a lot of other angers there. That's not my business. I uh, know. I think that she's trying to like have a conversation with him. Like, I truly think that she's just trying to understand him on a different level. And I think he's she's actually spending the entire movie begging him to understand her. And that's really what it comes down to is that the entire movie is her being like, oh, my God, you like fundamentally misunderstand the experience of a woman and the experience of me as your wife, um, as a woman. 
And I think that she genuinely just wants to like sit down and have a conversation with him and be like, yeah, like, and and go deep and go long about like, that's why she was so vulnerable in that moment to be like, yeah, like the time that I like almost cheated on you, but I held you so dear to me because I was like, oh my God, like this is the, this man holds me in the balance basically, you know, like the, it's such a, it's such a, a layered relationship with him where like she resents him for not letting her have that but also she appreciates him for like grounding her in that moment and not letting her throw her life away like all this stuff there's like that's such a a complex feeling to have for another human being who she's just chosen actively chosen to spend the rest of her life with where he like and obviously he made that choice when they got married but she's continuing to make that choice in bearing his child in choosing not to cheat on him and she's like here's this vulnerable moment in my in our relationship in my life and what she's trying to communicate to him is that i picked you i stayed with you and i want you to understand that like yes i'm a desirable woman and yes i do crave uh, things that you think apparently that all women do not crave but i want you to understand me as a woman and as your wife and what that means to me and how complex that is for me to bear every single day as a wife and a mother. And he's like, you cucked me. <laughs> and she's like, wait. <laughs> and like, clearly she doesn't know that like she like this happens and she he just kind of is like out of the picture for a while. And so clearly she's like wanting to talk like the whole movie. It feels like she's like, oh, I want to reach that point of vulnerability that we reached that night where we can have another open conversation about what this means for us and like he could even communicate things for him so that they could grow more together and like improve their own romantic life so i don't think she's lashing out at him the whole movie i think she's truly just like i just want to talk about it and he's lashing out at her for the obviously for the entire movie and that by the end when he explains what he's been doing she's so annoyed because she's like you know what we could have done talked and fucked <laughs> and that's it and instead you had to do the yeah, the strangest night ever and take the <laughs> most L's of any living human it is like an oddly constructive ending where they isolate the problem and then realize that this is something that they should work on. And then we leave the film with just like this maybe hope for consolation, maybe this despair that we know there will never be any consolation. I mean, Aya, the final line of this movie is fuck. Hell yeah. It's the final line of Kubrick's entire oeuvre. 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 Um, do you think fucking is going to help tom cruise or nicole kidman or dr hartford or alice um tom and nicole no dr hartford and alice yes <laughs> you really think so i really do i really do think if they could like this whole that whole movie is him like seeking out a way to like it's just like it's him just like n like missing the point of that conversation. And if they truly had another conversation and then afterwards had like gorgeous, beautiful, we're married and we've been together, we've chosen a life together sex. I think it could have been fine. 
<laughs> I, but I, I don't know that you. he could handle that is the is the bottom line like i think it could be fine but like this whole movie leads me to believe that maybe he is not capable of ever understanding her i 100 percent agree with that i think like the the two like most intimate moments they have uh one obviously being the mirror sequence where he's cupping her titty and he's like making out with her neck because he can't reach her lips because he's too short. He's too short. <laughs> um, but then she starts like turning her head away and she's like visibly disinterested uh, during the whole moment. Mm. And things are kind of, the vibes are kind of off right then. But of course, you know, any vibe would be off if I was thinking about my six foot three Hungarian Chad <laughs> that I almost fucked and then just let get away. Um, just picture but- like... Uh, in that sequence, I want everyone right now at home to picture the dream person they would have in that situation. In that, like, who would you imagine is fucking your wife? <laughs> and if you are Nicole Kidman, who are you imagining? And then she gets really high, and she gets really irritated with with, with her husband. Mm-hmm. And she gives him the in. She gives him the go ahead. That basically translates to. Fuck me hard, fuck me raw right now. And it, I, I, I think it's when Alice says, you are very, very sure of yourself. And in that moment, I'm like, okay, that's the moment you get up from the bed and you walk over and initiate. Yeah. And what this debate lord does, what this fucking cringe lord does, he sits on the bed sternly looks her in the eye and he goes no i am sure of you and in that moment you can see a spouse fall completely out of lust (laughs) with her husband (laughs) and it's incredible he's trying to like rationalize and like fall into logistics of why his wife is acting this way to the point where like the part of this movie that hardly ever gets talked about, but I think might be my favorite part of the movie, is the morning after the orgy, and he just becomes a detective. <laughs> he just starts showing his medical ID oh to everyone God. in New York everyone City. Everyone in the theater, I will give them credit for that, was <laughs> laughing every single time he slapped that medical ID out and was like, I'm a doctor. It is so funny how hard this character will work in the Alan Cummings scene, in the diner scene. In even like up until the Sidney Pollock scene where he is getting owned harder than he's ever gotten owned, that he thinks there's maybe a chance he can get in control at some point. And it's just one of these great dynamics to watch an actor go through because all things considered, we don't know a lot about Doc or Alice. We really, I mean, we really don't know about Alice. What we know about Alice are her kind of misgivings but even her misgivings are very general which i think does speak to a greater sort of like social economy in terms of the fact that like the patriarchy is so determined to break down any feminine identity that this is like the same crisis for any woman that looks like her which i think then also feeds into the under the silver lakeness of this whole movie where you're trying to figure out okay what's intended and what's not like almost every woman in this film either has the same hair, the same face, or the same sort of bodily shape as Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of wondering, okay, is this 
the is this just the world of the movie where everyone's kind of looking the same? Is this just maybe the world Stanley Kubrick has designed? Or is this also maybe the consequence of making a, a multi-million dollar blockbuster for Warner Brothers that needs to make money in all different types of regions and become a hit in your country? <laughs> like, when does the buck stop in terms of who you are casting and what the women look like? And so there's just all those types of different equations of just like knowing Stanley Kubrick would shoot like one scene for a whole week because in one of the takes, the ashtray was pointed the wrong way. And I'm like, okay, well, so hold up. Is it, should I be paying attention to that? You almost don't know when to take in the details of what and when and what really matters. But I think what the big difference under the Silver Lake is that here it ultimately matters because what you walk away with is, okay, at least I know there's a pretty good chance there's pedophile elite orgy parties in Long Island. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, yes, everything you should pay attention to. Like, I do agree with you about, like, the build of every woman in this movie looking like Nicole Kidman, which I even noticed when he goes to the, do- the, di- the dead guy's house and even his daughter has her hair. Like, and you're almost like, is he rejecting her because he- she's, like, reminds him too much of the wife like there's a lot yeah and then like the fuck the criminal minds guy looks like looks Tom like Cruise. him it looks like him yeah except he's taller <laughs> and he's so he's literally seeing bizarre of them but i think like everything comes down to that ori- that initial um and everything you really need to know about his character and like their dynamic really because you don't know you're right you don't know much about them just that, like everyone in this movie Every woman in this movie is kind of a pawn, but ultimately is very complex. And every dude is just kind of like, well, I made a fuck. <laughs> but she, like, it comes down to, like, their, inner, like, after the party. Like, the, the thing about the party is that they both were presented an opportunity to cheat on each other. <laughs> like, the same thing happens <laughs> to both of them. But the catalyst of the film is that she, he's talking about her moment. And it comes down to, like, her dynamic with the guy she was dancing with when he was literally with two supermodels. <laughs> and that's never, like, and he, like, doesn't, he's like, yeah, whatever, you know, they're just being nice, whatever. And then he's like, but you were dancing with a guy. <laughs> and you're like. Well, because, of course, he's the one in power when the, with the two supermodels. She's the one to be seduced with the Hungarian six foot three Chad. He's a, he's a Chad. He's a big Chad. And he, like, walks away and disappears. And does something he never tells her about. Like, he doesn't tell her what actually happened. So, like, she has every reason to believe. Which is so crazy to even consider his behavior in the rest of this movie. Because she actually has reason to believe that he left her at that party and and cheated on her with two supermodels. And then came back and lied to her that night. And now he's disappeared. And so she actually has reason to believe that what he is picturing about his wife that never actually happened did happen to him. (laughs) And she's just kind of like, well, I'll just wait for him to come home, I guess. (laughs) It's so funny that like in that simple emotional truth lies the answer to, I think, so many like fan theories about this movie. Like I think when, when, when Hartford comes home and sees alice sleeping next to the the mask from the orgy like people think that's like a supernatural moment people think it's like a clue that 
maybe Alice was at the orgy. Like people are like, oh, what does that mean? And like at the ending of the movie, when she's insinuating about his nightly adventures, that maybe she has an inkling as to what he did more than maybe he supposes. But you're right. Like the only reason she says any of that shit is because it's all in the first scene of the movie. Like she has reason to believe that he he just ditched. And the whole film, when we leave her, she is just sitting with the concept. With her child, him, with their child. Yes, yes, with her child, just helping her with homework, going about playing house, only knowing that even on a professional basis, all her husband does is touch bodies. So what's to stop her from thinking that during this beautiful Christmas time, he's maybe hanging up some ornaments on some trees, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's just so interesting that people will go all down the rabbit hole of figuring out what this movie means when, funnily enough, uh, and of course, fitting enough for the film bro culture, uh, so many of the answers are just in listening, listening to Nicole Kidman, <laughs> listening, to Nicole, listening Kidman. to Nicole Kidman and Alice. The whole movie is that one conversation between them, though. Like, that's a whole movie, as we've been saying, basically, movie. is that that's it. That one conversation is the entire movie. And it's very funny. Like, I don't really. I mean, like, by the end, I don't really care what the truth is, you know, like, of, like, the cult and all this stuff. Like, and especially with the mask on the bed next to her, I was like, you know, part of me was like, oh, my God, does that mean that they were there and they were, like, watching her and letting him? Oh, sure. Like, were they letting him know, like, we know this is where you live. We can get inside. Don't pursue this further or else. Like, that's what I was like. Is that that? Or did she just lose? Actually, really might be that. Whoa, that's a you scary. Didn't think that? No, I just thought when he left it behind, it was just in like the cabinet somewhere. <laughs> no, I I thought that he had accidentally left it there, or like left it in a taxi, or like they had found it somewhere. Oh, and man, they had come that's... in. But ah. it could also just be that she was like looking for something, found the mask in their home because he like shoved it in a cupboard. <laughs> Yeah, and was like oh that's weird and put it on the bed to be like ha 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 right like she's not like trying to intimidate she's not trying to be like i know what you're up to she's just like what's like he's gonna wake her up and she's gonna be like yeah what's the deal with this mask i thought it'd be funny if i just put on your bed (laughs) on your pillow and the and the fun part is it it fits with the character like she's definitely not above that like she is taking such glee in that scene where they're smoking smoking weed like the way that she is unspooling that sailor story, it's not an admission. Like it's a strip tease. Yeah, it's great. It's perfect. Uh, she's uh, the hottest bitch in the East. It's true. It's absolutely true. I am watching the movie as I said, and they're in the house again, like the apartment, and the apartment is like a gorgeous, beautiful, spread out, and it's just the art on the wall is so bad and scary <laughs> and i get that there's like a giant like there's a giant cat, cat. Or a bird there's a giant cat. a giant cat it's so bad and scary and i love it i love how bad and scary it is and also i'm watching this gorgeous scene where he's like getting a beer from the fridge and he's just like dead-eyed staring at her while she's just being a nice mom and helping their daughter with <laughs> math homework <laughs> <laughs> which again i think like one of like th- this movie is like really interesting in, in, in the more subtle details and like the more blatant details like a blatant one possibly being like when the chick ods at the party and then right behind tom cruise in the gang is this giant portrait of just like an all nude woman splayed out 
Like it's just very clearly stating the movie's ambitions about the objectification of the female form in a very in a way that's like super similar to Clockwork Orange, but like in a way that like this movie is definitely rhyming with Kubrick's other films. Uh, not in like direct callbacks, but just in ways that kind of like it. It is very similar to The Matrix, where you're kind of catching all these subliminals, and you're not sure if it was like an intentional part of the storytelling, if this is just you noticing it. Uh, but this is a lot. But so there are the blatant things like the, like the naked women on the walls. Maybe the cat stands for something. Just big pussy. Who knows? <laughs> but then you have. Something that's sort of in the middle ground that I really enjoy, where the daughter's homework question is all about oh, trying one guy to figure not out having enough. <laughs> one guy not having enough money and figuring out who which boy in the equation is has more value. Yeah. And so it becomes like this very brief throwaway moment where even though I think in the orgy sequence that we're about to talk about, I think the women are too old. I think the women cast are too old in relation to the reality of what these situations really are. But when this movie really does get into the bag of how not only this country, but this planet will produce and develop young girls or at least young identifying girls. (laughs) I identify as 22, so... (laughs) 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 I god damn it but anyway whenever it gets into like the real pedophile shit where it's like okay let's teach the little children exactly about how uh, choosing men works let's really get into the under the rainbow guy prostituting his daughter when it gets into that real evil shit, I think it just spreads like a virus into the rest of the movie so that the orgy sequence becomes less of like a fun, like little, oh, this is weird. And by the end of the film, you kind of realize the gravity of how depraved this experience is. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, like, I don't know that this movie is like trying to be simultaneously like gro- like sex orgy and like underage grooming orgy like i don't think those are the same i don't think that's what it's going for i mean like maybe well, call think, me like yeah. naive but like obviously like the the way it dips into it dips a toe into that where you're like oh this could be the future for the daughter who's like 12 yeah i don't i don't think it's it's that either okay but but it's kind of commenting on the same idea but kubrick just thinks that it happens through a different pipeline than it actually does yeah where he's kind of in this ultimately kind of traditionalist idea that even from like a progressive standpoint, it's the traditionalist view to look at it, where it's like, ah, oh, the girls, they grow up to become sluts. When really, in the grand scheme of things, it's girls staying as girls forced into servitude. Yeah. So he's he's not exactly going for that bag, which makes the movie watchable. Yes, you know, yes. I think this is a very rewatchable borderline fun film because it doesn't do that. Yeah. But it's also at the same time very surprising to me that a man as acerbic, as acid-tongued, and as cynical as Stanley Kubrick doesn't do that. I don't know. I think that the... I don't know. I don't know. Again, I'm going to sound naive, but like, I just don't think that that is as... Like, I know obviously it happens. Like, obviously we have like Jeffrey Epstein like confirmed having 
done that. But I just don't think that that's like the most common way. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, this makes more sense to me in general. Yeah, I feel you. It, it's definitely, it's like, I mean, it, it makes the most sense. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it's the Tom Cruise shit. It's, it's the most logistical. It's the most rational. <laughs> the most rational. I also love, I watch, again, now I'm just throwing out little things that I like about the movie because I'm watching it, but I love um, that the roommate uh, tries to seduce him and then is like, ah, shit, I should tell him. And then she has <laughs> what are they, Tell me about the orgy. The most famous sequence in the movie. I don't know what to say about it. What to say about it? It happens. It's not sexy, which I love. Yeah. Does it make sense to you that it's the most famous part of the film? Yes. People are very shocked by nudity still. <laughs> Can you believe we saw the censored version at the Nubev? We did? Yeah. So in order for this movie to not get the NC-17, they needed to figure out how to edit around the fucking. And of course, Kubrick died five days after he- Crazy. Uh, kind of premiered the final cut this was before music was finalized and who's to say if this really was his ultimate final vision there's a lot of people that quote at warner brothers sort of that claim to be like his closest liaisons at the company that he stated that he thought this was his best film but there are also uh his like personal assistant leon vitale who kind of also gave the testimony that in his final days working on this movie he was visibly haggard and he looked, he was very stressed. And so the heart attack that people say was such a surprise and shock didn't quite surprise some of his closest uh, sort of acquaintances. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, he dies. The movie gets an NC-17. And that's, in America, I'm sorry, you can have decapitations, but if you show a little titty and a little fucky-fucky, you will not make that dough. And so what they do is they put CG bodies in front of a lot of the fucking in the orgy sequences oh i got you and because that we because we had a yeah and because we had a 35 millimeter print from 99 we saw the censored version with all the cg bodies that's also the version on hbo max mind you i was gonna say i just watched it i didn't see anything different okay yeah for a while like on netflix apparently a few years ago they had the uncut version but now they're like jettisoning back into the digital marketplace the R-rated version, <gasps> which is very weird. It doesn't make a huge difference. Like the fucking is like very simulated. Yeah. Like it's like it look it, it just Have looks you seen like the just jackhammers going against it. Yeah. I yeah, I, I mean, come on. I was yeah. a teenage boy into movies. Of course I looked up the eyes wide shut orgy scene on cut. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, what you see like you know, so you know that shot when they go into the dining room table and it's all the women just like fucking on top of it, but you can barely see any of it because the people around it. Yes. So there's no one at the head of the table wow. in the original version. Okay. But what you do end up seeing is basically two chicks 69ing, but it's so silly because Aya, Aya, they're still wearing the masks. <laughs> <laughs> It's full bush, full naked, full 69, but it's over the mask kind of lingus. I don't know what, I don't, I think what he was doing was that he was shooting it thinking, well, this will definitely get an R. And then the MPAA sees it and they go, and "And she's 17. (laughs) (laughs) And there's just, just guys just railing chicks in doggy style and it 
looks like they're he's like fucking her coccyx instead of like her asshole. It's like very it's like peak 1990s fake sex. <laughs> uh so not ultimately still uh not sexy. No. Not sexy, no. I would say. No. I would I would Silly. bargain. Uh the woman who saves him her voice is beautiful. You know who it is, right? Who is it? Oh my god, this is what an episode. I love this episode, man. I okay, so it's a dub because they wanted someone with an American accent. So obviously they go to Kate Blanchett. Oh <gasps> <laughs> Oh my god. But so like the actress is who is the actress again? The actress is the woman at the beginning who ODs. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's her body. Yeah. But they dub her because I don't that's just that's just what Kubrick does. Yeah. Okay. That's just what he's gonna do. The 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 woman that says that she's in love with Tom Cruise, that's a complete reshoot. That scene originally was Jennifer Jason Lee. <gasps> Wait, which one? Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, at the beginning. Where where the, the dad's daughter. dead yeah, in the yeah, room. The yeah, yeah. Jennifer Jason and then, Lee? Why did they then, reshoot that? To make her look more and, like Nicole Kidman. I and then, of course, Sidney Pollock is also a recast. That was originally Harvey Keitel. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's way better as Sidney yeah, Pollock. Yeah, definitely. Way better as Sidney Pollock. Like, the fact that it's, like, an esteemed Best Picture winning director giving that speech Very nice. is the cherry on top. Yeah. It's also, like, the, the reason why you don't see a lot of eyes wide shuts beyond the fact that this is just kind of upsetting subject matter. It's like, of course, no one making movies, especially while, while Miramax is leading the pack throughout the 90s into the early 2000s, wants to make a movie where they, ex- they fumble the bag, where they expose their buds. So it is kind of cool that on his way out, even though he didn't know it was his way out, he goes, well, I'm going to get Warner Brothers to bankroll a movie that exposes every single person in this field. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. Everyone's using Warner <laughs> Brothers to do silly, silly things. Everyone is. This is in line with the Snyder Cut. <laughs> this is in line with Matrix okay. Resurrection. These movies where Warner Brothers is like, here's our money. And they're like, thanks. I'm going to cuck you, Warner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> it is always an interesting question of like, is Warner Brothers just open to these ideas or are they really open to getting bamboozled they just want money honestly i mean the studio is doing so poorly that they're just like oh but we'll just make us money you think this will make us money though right we'll, 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 we'll get a big payout from this okay then yeah we'll do it no don't worry we'll do it i uh i want to ask you some questions about the christmas time don't worry but i want to i want to get a big question out of the way i want to let's, let's eyes wide shut is all about looking into the self while looking at two specters of who we could be. Mm-hmm. Aya, have you ever found yourself on a Tom Cruise journey into the night? <laughs> have you ever found yourself angry, confused, and scared of fucking? <laughs> Did Eyes Wide Shut speak to you? Have I ever had an Eyes Wide Shut? <laughs> <laughs> have you, you, ever, you ever do as, an Eyes Wide Shut, Kev? <laughs> as Eyes Wide Shut ever spoken to you in an emotional capacity or is this a purely intellectual exercise as many detractors of Stanley Kubrick often deride his films as being because they they can't relate to them 
Yeah, I mean, the big thing that people always say about Stanley Kubrick is that he doesn't have good characters, he doesn't focus on performance, and it's all about the ideas, and they are chilly, ice cold, cannot connect with them whatsoever. You are just looking at pretty images and interesting ideas. That is what the people that claim he's overrated will say about his movies. But I, but I, don't, I want that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never had an eyes wide shot. I've never been married. Oh, that's a lie. But <laughs> I've never uh, Excuse me? been married for 20, minutes, for 20 years or eight years. I've only been married for like six years, I think, they say. What? Wait, rewind. You always say this on the podcast and only one time have you ever clarified it. And you know what? Maybe it's time. Here's the halfway mark throughout the year. Maybe every half year clarify what you mean by you saying you're married. I got married. <laughs> You know this. Actually, um, got married again. Like renewed our vow situation in person this time. Um, very romantic at the Honda Mansion. Okay, what you are just proposing more open-ended questions instead of answering anything, anything that's been brought to the table. <laughs> what do you want to know, buddy? I'm. I'm I got a wedding that. ring. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's a signet ring. It has her initials on it. I still still don't know if this is a bit. I do not know if this is a bit. I don't either. I don't really think think, uh, anyone else does. I hate you fucking Tumblr dudes. I hate you fucking Tumblr people. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. (laughs) No, we got married. My friend got a, my friend got, um, what's the word? She got her license to wet. Okay. And she wed And you. she wed us. As like a, a test run? Well, she's done it twice now. Oh, for, of course. One time Sorry, over Zoom and one time vows. in person. <laughs> <laughs> this is not good content. What do you want to know? That I'm wed? That I'm married? That I'm happily married? That I've been married for over a year now? Oh my God. What if we sat at the bench from 500 days of summer and we got married? Well, we got married at the Haunted Mansion, so... <laughs> This fucking bitch. Oh it's my done. God. Okay. All right. And again, uh, it was very romantic. And I'm sorry I couldn't okay. invite more people. Okay. So in your in your fucking YA novel headcanon, you are married. I'm not legally married by the state of California yet, but um, in the eyes uh, of God and the Unitarian uh, Church. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great year. You're so fucking psychotic that I don't believe that you haven't had an eyes wide shut moment. I don't believe this. You, I, I, I don't know why you're, for, it's bad enough that you're lying to me. The man who gave you the best Christmas gift you could ever ask for. And by the way, I'm really looking forward to at the end of the episode when you give me my Christmas gift. Because I know that being the great pals we are, you would never not return such generosity. I had no idea but, you were going to be a Christmas present. But I, a layman, to lie to our listeners, to lie about to the what? audience about you. Oh, I didn't have an eyes wide shut moment, really. I didn't say that I didn't have one. I just said I can't relate to Tom Cruise in this movie. <laughs> what would you? Do? What would I? What kind of eyes wide shut night would I have? Do you really want me to give that to you? You really <laughs> want me? You want me? No, no. You giving no. me the keys to that car? No, 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 no. Um, no. Then go ahead. Tell us the truth then. Uh, no. 
as far as um, I know, as far as the listeners of I versus the big boys will ever know. No, I have not. I personally uh, am so anti-human antibody at the moment where I'm just I'm having kind of a fun time just like gaslighting people from afar. You know what I mean? Just like it's a little activity. (laughs) No, no, no. Andrew Garfield wasn't in Spider-Man. Well, can can we can can we go? I want to eat dinner, Kevin. (laughs) Olive hasn't (laughs) eaten dinner. Let's can we can we go? What your eyes oh, are yeah, shutting we... me right now? Okay. <laughs> you, you. Oh yeah, we really wrapped up everything in eyes wide shut. We really closed we the door on to, this one. We would have to knock out seven full hours of podcast to fully even begin to cover eyes wide shut. Oh, that's right. Because you wasted so much of our time lying. That's what you've been doing. <laughs> lying. <laughs> Fucking liar. All right. All right. Then hit me with this. The whole reason for the season. Everyone, Die Hard is a Christmas movie that's out of fashion. It's not in vogue anymore. No one fucking cares. It's, uh, yeah. Is Eyes Wide Shut a Christmas movie? Of course it is. There's a Christmas tree in every scene. That's all it takes for you. That's all it takes. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Christmas point, lights. Sure. Sure, Kevin. Sure. It's cold as hell in this movie, too. I feel like this might be more of, like, a New Year's vibe. Like, it feels like, even though there are, like, actively, like, going Christmas shopping and stuff, it feels like it's more like, you know that week, the most perfect week between Christmas and New Year's when all the transplants are gone and there's no traffic whatsoever? Mm. That's what this movie We can really get into trouble. That's what this movie feels like. Real trouble Where it's night and, like, the city's empty because everyone's kind of cleared out. Christmas decorations are still up, but the the vibe ain't right. <laughs> like the like December twenty eighth. That's what this movie is to me. Yeah, this feels a little off. Being like December seventeenth, no, it just doesn't match. No. no, no, no. I would say that's the one inherent flaw. It's December twenty eighth. That is otherwise. Yeah, it, it even it would even make more sense for it to be like the remnants of the decorations left behind. Although I do like, kind of like that it is like the joy in the wake. I do like that it is almost Christmas because it does make it seem so it's extra messed up that he's doing all of this like <laughs> like every, <laughs> people are like going to Christmas like this is the I, the funniest part that I was even thinking about during the movie is I like oh this is the Christmas themed orgy. <laughs> like they have one every season. This is the Christmas one. They did a secret Santa yeah. before it started. Technically, it is like an office holiday party. That's what it feels like. Yeah, they're doing like a white elephant later. Um, I guess it's a white elephant of who you get to. Fuck. Um, but yeah, I so I do. I mean, like to me, it feels like December twenty eighth. But I do like that it is in season. Like that, even the sex worker has a tree in her house, and she's like, "Look at the tree!" <laughs> My God, <laughs> everyone's got to celebrate. It just looks different. Yeah, I I, I kind of love how disinterested he is. In Christmas, other than the fact that he just loves using the lights to direct your focus onto what he actually wants you to look beautiful. at. It's just, it, it's not even like that beautiful to the framing. It's like, it's almost so forwardly technical where you are seeing the light source of every scene right in front of your very fucking eyes. Mm-hmm. And yet it still adds to the mood. It adds to the color of everything. I think the big mystery to our question of why this movie doesn't look like it's from 1999 and why it looks so much older because apparently what they did is that when they were filming this they were lighting they were under lighting it because they Kubrick really loves only using natural lighting and what they did with the film is that when they developed it they left it in the chemical bath longer than usual so that the actual like printed image 
brightens artificially. And usually that's a tactic that you use if you're like a cheapo and you just fucked up a whole night sequence, like a day sequence, and it was just way too like dark or you fucked up a camera setting. But he willingly does this to his final product. And I think after years of not figuring out why this movie looks like weirdo garbage, now I know it's intentional weirdo intentional garbage. Intentional weirdo and garbage. Man, does it look fucking pristine? Aya, any lingering thoughts on Stanley Kubrick's Christmas classic, 1999, Eyes Wide Shut, our final episode of 2021? I can't decide if this is my new Kubrick or not. My new favorite. Wow. Gotta sit with it longer because I do love The Shining. What do you think will peg it up or what do you think will keep it as not your favorite? Maybe um, <laughs> several more years of, of um, marital bliss. Okay. Maybe I'll look at okay. this movie when I'm like 38 and be like, Woof, this is too real. Can't like it anymore. Okay. So we'll bring the movie up again in March. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on, man. I know a little something about a deep descent into the sexy dark. And Aya, I'm afraid you also know something about it too. Because we do it every week on this godforsaken show. Every week on Aya versus the Big Boys, we go into each of the movies and we decide who was the hottest of the flick. Here we are, Stanley Kubrick, 1999, Eyes Wide Shut, his final film, his final fuck. Who's the hottest in this movie? Come on, man. Yep. She's going for it. She's going for the poster, girl. She's right there. She's doing it. She's right there. She's right there. I mean, I've been saying it the whole episode, and it would feel wrong to not say it again. It's Miss Nicole Kidman. Strong, strong choice. Strong she, choice. I mean, I do think, as you know, I like. I'm very weak for Tom Cruise, unfortunately, and I do think he looked very good in this movie. Handsome Curse as hell. Bad, evil. Handsome okay. as hell. Yeah, uh, but ultimately, like the whole point of the movie is that she is um, incredibly hot, too hot for him, and she was. <laughs> Personally, if I was a multimillionaire in a sex cabal oh, of the upper elite, oh brother. Personally, personally, I just be a nice guy. And I think if I saw the hottest sex slave in the bunch, I'd be nice. You know, I'd be like, hey, you happy with this? Let's get out of here. You want some I cocaine? I got a taxi you want waiting some heroin? outside. <laughs> uh, I think the weirdest part about this movie is that everyone is so conventionally hot and like sexually perfect that they then become disturbing creatures. Yeah. And so my pick goes to Domino. The one person oh, who truly yeah. seems like in the grand scheme of the sexual marketplace nice that girl. claims ownership over all women, she is making a name for herself, a career for herself. As an independent Good in the sex working industry. Does not end well. <laughs> no. Uh, movie, you could almost say, punishes her for that decision. But for being a woman with a small business. For being a small business owner. And you know what? She's my hostage to the flick. 
because I can't get over the fact that Stanley Kubrick hates people so much that he literally makes it a plot point to make the domino drop. Oh. <laughs> I'd like to give a special shout out to uh, Sidney Pollock, who does really work the shirtless look with the suspenders. Incredible monologuer. Incre- just any time he acted, the very few times he did, just a behemoth. Mm-hmm. He steals uh, Death Becomes Her. It is insane. Yeah. How good he is as, as that doctor. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Strong runner up. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Top three Nicole Kidman, Kate Blanchett's disembodied voice, and that one shot of Sidney Pollock shirtless with the suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is our last episode of 2021. Oh my God. What a treat. Wow. I, I, we will run through our entire year at the end of January when we bring back. The big boy, the, 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 sorry, when we bring back the Golden Boys second Woo! annual, we're going to run through the best films of 2021 and also run through our personal favorite big boys of our entire 2021 season. We're going to be taking a winter break. We'll be back on January 22nd. That's wild. So we'll be off of people's airwaves for a little bit there, Aya. So oh, until then, sad. what do you have to say to the fine people at home? sad kevin um hate to see you go um have a great break from hearing my voice every week thanks for sticking with us through 2021 if you've discovered this show uh in between now and january and you're just catching up welcome can't wait to talk about uh our big boys of the year, our golden boys. Can't wait to see my golden, golden boys, my little, little women. <laughs> Jesus, man, what a fucking sweatshop. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't ready to give that speech. Uh, woo! Thanks for Jeez. listening. Merry Christmas to you. Aw. Merry Christmas, Aya. Thanks, bud. Where's my gift? You have a gift? <laughs> I'll get it soon. Is this the part of the episode Supply where you give me the gift? chain issues. <laughs> Folks, thanks uh, so much for listening to I versus the Big Boys on the Mary Grand Magazine Podcast Network. Please remember to rate, review, damn. and subscribe to the pod. Please follow Mary Grand Magazine at MGR Magazine on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please email us at I versus the Big Boys at gmail.com. Be safe this Christmas. Wear your little mask. Get your little tests. Get your little booster if you haven't already. And just, um, you know, have yourself a merry little Christmas. And text me. When you watch Matrix, we can talk about my old friend, Keanu. Merry Christmas, folks. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. <laughs> Come on. What else am I supposed to do? <laughs> don't be mad. Don't be mad. Me, no, 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 Daddy, no. I can stop it. Even if I want it, don't be mad, don't be mad at me, no, 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 I miss what you were saying, I was miles away, don't be mad, don't be mad, not like I had a choice, I was busy thinking about boys, 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 I was busy dreaming about boys, 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 I was busy thinking about boys, 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 I was
Christ!